All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am very lucky to be sitting down with a man you see on Sportsnet as a co-anchor and, of course, the author of many of your favorite books you love to sit and read, none other than Ken Reed himself. Ken, how is the day treating you? Awesome, James. How are you, buddy? Uh, not too bad. Just chilling in the sunshine here in Nova Scotia. You know, Teddy didn't brush us too badly, so I'm loving it. That's what I hear. So I got to ask for you, my friend. Obviously, sports is a big part of your life, and um, you know, hockey. You covered the Grey Cups, Super Bowls. You know, you name it. Um, for you, what keeps you so excited and interested in sports? I know you're one of the uh, the more um, excitable guys in in sports <laughs> in general. I'm just wondering what keeps that flame lit. Uh, that it's not scripted. That it's different. It's you never know what you're going to see. It's I've always said it's the best reality television on TV because for those of you who don't know, reality TV is fake as hell. Sports <laughs> is real. Um, you never know what uh, what you're going to see. I mean, look look at this week for example. Last night, Danny Jansen got four hits in a game, and all of a sudden, this is the first time in Jays history two catchers had four hits in the same series. And so I didn't know that was going to happen. So stuff like that gets me excited. Um, when you tune into a game, as much as you think you may know, you don't know what's going to happen. So I love the spontaneity of it all. I love the stories behind the players. I love finding out who the people are. And uh, I don't know. I just Sports has always been there for me. It's always uh, it's always been something that, that drew my attention, and it continues to to this day. And I see no shame whatsoever in being excited about it. It's, it's not fake. I mean, I'm 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 uh, I, I'm a guy who loved his childhood, and I think sports uh, just kind of keeps me a kid. So I guess that's why I like it. No, the inner kid in all of us loves the sports, and I mean, you see it no matter what event you go to when you get excited, whether it's a big hit, a big play, a celebration, you're into it, and that inner kid, I think, comes out and jumps out, and I think that's why we're all drawn to sports in different degrees. I have to ask you, you know, covering all these different sports, is there one that, you know, you get more excited for than others? I mean, we just talked about baseball momentarily there, um, you know, but the hockey obviously has its moments, MMA, all kinds of different sports have their peaks. Uh, for you, is there one that, uh, I guess, surpasses all the rest, Ken? Yeah, hockey's my huckleberry. Hockey's always been number one to me. I think it'll always be number one to me. Um, I mean, I'll get excited at, you know, at boxing, at MMA, at golf, at baseball. But hockey's the one that always has my heart. It's uh, kind of my first love, I guess, in terms of sports. I was a kid who used to wear his rubber boots with a diaper inside the house, pretending they were skates, watching Hockey Night in Canada. So uh, it's uh, it's always been hockey. Nothing gets me more pumped up than hockey, I don't think. Well, in talking about hockey, obviously, and wearing those rubber boots and the diaper, I mean, all of us have done that. Even with slippers or socks, you pretend you're skating through watching the game. Yeah. Um, you get to rub elbows, you know, with some of the biggest names in hockey that we all watch for the news, analysis, you name it. Um, has there been an awe moment for you where you're like, wow, I'm really standing next to or talking mm -hmm. to X? And obviously, you got to keep it all inside, but just inside your own head, you're like, wow, I'm standing beside whoever. Yeah, first time I got to interview Wayne Gretzky, it was, uh, oh my God. So it was back, I'll give you the story, it was back in the summer. Jeez, it would have been, I guess, I, I'm guessing it would have been probably April or May 2001. And I was assigned to cover a, a press conference for Hockey Canada, and they were going to announce that they were going to have their Olympic orientation camp in Calgary. So I was assigned to cover the uh, the press conference. It was at the Saddledome in Calgary, and Wayne Gretzky was going to be there. So I was living with my brother in Calgary at the time. Nova Scotia comedian Peter Anthony, by the way. And uh, I told him, I'm like, I've got to do this press conference. i got to scrum Gretzky. And he's going to do this thing at the podium. And for those 
have, you know, 30 people surround an interviewee and we have at it. So, and I said to my brother, I'm going to own this scrum. So I was determined by the time I got to Calgary. I was always kind of shy, but I was determined. If I'm hired, I'm hired for a reason. So I'm going to be the best they can have. So I'm going to own this scrum. And my brother says, I'm sneaking into that press conference getting a picture of you. And I said, if you sneak into that press conference, you're dead. Because uh, I'll lose my job, right? Like, frig off, Peter. Yeah. So they comes, I... Gretzky does his thing on the podium, and down he comes in scrum time, and I get right in front of Wayne Gretzky, and I'm asking the first five, six questions. I'm being a total scrum hog, right, which I have no shame in doing. I want to get my story. But the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm getting I'm getting paid to talk to Wayne Gretzky, and I'm also thinking, my God, I hope my brother snuck into this press conference and get the picture of it. <laughs> so four or five months later, it's my birthday. My brother gives me a present. I open it up, and it's a framed picture of me interviewing Wayne Gretzky. So he did sneak in. And he was at the back of the scrum. He climbed up on something and took a picture, so I never knew. So that was my most, oh, my goodness, what the heck am I doing here moment. When the first time I got to stick a microphone in Wayne Gretzky's face. I mean, childhood hero is Wayne Gretzky. And then fast forward a few years, and I guess I'm being paid to talk to him. It was pretty surreal. No, that's... That's a moment right there. That's one where you you got to check your wits and make sure you're you're coming at it correctly. And it sounds like you you handled it well. I mean, <laughs> most people I don't know would stammer over their first few words, uh, you know, on a one on one. Let alone being in a scrum with a bunch of peers and you know trying to yeah. get your first five or six questions out and being the first one to do so. Obviously, you were really dialed in for that one and to get that picture from your brother after telling him no you know, hoping to get that picture, and you did. That's an awesome little caveat in itself. Yeah, it's funny. The picture's still up on my man cave, and it's funny, too. Uh, Eric Francis, you might know from Sportsnet and Hockey Canada, he's right beside me, so Eric and I were good buddies. So I don't know if maybe I had it easier that because Eric was there with me, but it, that was a day That's a day I'll never forget. That was kind of a that was a big moment for me. It kind of vilified why I, why I do what I did. It, make, it made me feel pretty good to... Uh, you know, if I can if I can interview Wayne Gretzky, I figured I could interview anybody. But uh, you know, interviewed Mr. Gretzky a few more times over the years, just in scrum situations. I got to do a corporate event with him once, and it's just he's just down to earth and just a great great guy. And it was uh, it was a true pleasure. Now, for you, and you know, getting to interview all of these different kind of people, and you know, everyone from hockey. I mean, the, the who's who. Um, is there someone on your list right now that you want to interview still that is like mm-hmm. almost like a chase? Because everybody's got their chase, the people they want to talk to. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't really think so. I mean, there's notorious figures out there, but, I mean, I wouldn't get much joy out of it. I kind of do stuff to, it sounds selfish, but I do stuff that makes me happy, and I hope it translates to other people. So if I get to interview Wayne Gretzky, that's a thrill. Um, I mean, there's pretty much everybody that I've, growing up dreaming of uh, running into I kind of have over the years um, there's not one out there that's that's been elusive or anything like that uh, I mean if you go back in time if I took a time machine I'd like to talk to you know the rock of Richard or somebody like that I mean that'd be that'd be a big one for me but you know if you put me in a time machine I could give you a bunch of answers but <laughs> right now uh, I mean I'd, I'd love to do a sit down interview maybe with Link Gate and just find out what 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 Link went through with his uh, crazy hockey career. So that, that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. But there's there's no big fish out there that I'm looking to catch now. Oh, hey, that's an honest answer. And that, you know, everybody would have a different one. Um, but, no, I'm, I'm thrilled when you do sit down with people. I like the way that you handle things, and I like your energy. So, and I've said that before. But, um, you, you know, going through and just – 
all the different things that have happened with COVID and just having to kind of do things differently. Um, is there ever been a moment in your career where not that you were caught off guard, but you were just like, okay, well, we got to get ready for this or this just comes falls in your lap. And I say that because I look at the, um, the draft and the flipping over the cards, uh, when they did the, um, well, the lottery, um, basically what happened yeah. with the team that was yet to be announced, you know, now we know who it is. Um, but you know, Alexis Lafreniere was going to come on and talk about how great it would be to be drafted by X team if they did keep the pick and such and such. And obviously they had to pivot from that point and he wasn't comfortable coming on, not knowing who was going to get that pick. Uh, I use that as an example. Has there ever been something like that for you that you've been in that position where it's like, okay, we instantly got to pivot and it's kind of yeah. a moment. Yeah, that stuff happens all the time. You'd be surprised how often that stuff happens. Um, technical stuff. The other night we came out of game two and our system crashed. So we had to do a show without our number one system. So we had to run our video through another server to get it to air. It sounds boring to people, but it's kind of chaotic behind the scenes. So the producer's freaking out. The director's trying to stay calm. I'm on the desk. So I'm on the last line of defense. So I'm, I'm, as calm, I'm remaining as calm as can be because you realize after a few years things go wrong technically all i can do is steer the ship and keep as calm as possible while the tech people are doing their best to resolve the situation but yeah things like that happen all the time um i remember being on a desk with marty mcsorley once and alex alex he got traded right in the middle of a show so you know you're just gonna ad lib around that you do your best but yeah like things things go wrong all the time uh feeds fall out all the time and luckily if you do a good job Either your viewer doesn't notice or you're very honest with your viewer and you just say, hey, we're having technical difficulties. But, yeah, that, that kind of stuff happens all the time where you got to pivot. And, and, and again, that, that's, that's the buzz I get. That's why I love covering live sports, right, because it's unscripted and you don't know. Like They can write up all the scripts they want for us, but a lot of times you just got to ad-lib it and, and go with it. So that's, that's what I love, uh, love about doing it. No, those are, well, you look at back across sports, whether it's on the desk watching, you know, your favorite sports net show when they're covering sports or whether it's during the game and someone calls a goal or a celebration or whatever, you know, the ad lib things are some of the best and the best memories. And those are the things that catch on and end up on those, you know, forever roles where they roll out the best ofs. And I mean, you're definitely on those. I, I can think of Joe Bowen in my head, uh, Bob Cole, you know, some of the absolute legends out there with, different things they've said but it was a spur of the moment and then it caught right. so i mean yeah right. definitely with, with with bob it's just honest right when you're play by player just honest so when bob yells out everything is happening suddenly that became a catchphrase his old baby was something he used to say around his house to his kids and that became a thing so if you're yourself and you just let it fly and as long as you don't swear well you know that's <laughs> probably make an impact they'll, they'll let you come back and do it again <laughs> exactly well, I got to ask, you know, you being around uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and, you know, in Toronto, um, you know, they dominate a lot of the airwaves and a lot of the media attention. Um, for you and for everyone covering the, the Maple Leafs or in hockey in general, do you ever have a moment where you're like, can we talk about another team, especially when there's not that much going on around the Maple Leafs? Or is it uh, always trying to juice the most information you can from them? I think you're trying to get the most information you can uh, as much as people hate them. Survey says they're the most beloved team in Canada, right? More people, you know, there's there's seven Canadian teams, 30% of Canadian fans say like the Leafs. Well, the other the other six have to divide up that remaining 70. Um, they're the biggest team in the biggest city. So, you know, representation by population, as much as some people may despise it, they, 
they draw the biggest numbers. Uh, so that's why they get all the coverage that they get. Now, you look at a team like the Maple Leafs, and I'm going to ask you just a little bit about them. Um, you know, in Toronto, beloved, around the league, you know, you can find fans anywhere, but usually outside of Toronto, they're not well-liked. Um, what is going to happen the day, in your mind, the day the Toronto Maple Leafs finally take those proper steps and win the Cup? Um, obviously, the coverage will be bananas, but for you, what do you think the city would be like when that situation happens, given the fact that you've covered some of the biggest things that have gone on mm-hmm. in sports? Do you think that might top them all? Well, I like that you say when, not if. So, um, I'm more of an if, because they are so far away from a Stanley Cup right now. Um, to me, it's a big if. Uh, if it ever if it ever happened, it would be bananas. I think it'll put the Raptors uh, championship to uh, to to shame. Although the Raptors parade drew two million, but the Raptors parade was absolutely awful for anyone who was there. Um, it was a six-hour gong show. Um, it wasn't a pleasant day. It was fun when the players rolled by, but you had to wait six hours to see them. Um, yeah, so at least if the Leafs won, they've got the planning down what not to do if, based on what the Raptors parade did. Um, yeah, it would be an absolute gong show. Um, I can't only imagine what it would be like. I think it would be Red Sox-esque or Cubs-esque when they won and they, uh, the Red Sox finally won, the Cubs finally won. It would be a lot like that. Uh, if, if, if the Leafs ever win. <laughs> Listen, I'll go with uh, when. You, you can go with it. Okay. Um, you know, only because, I, you know, being a Leafs fan, a Leafs podcast, you want them to win. It's the ultimate goal. But if you're saying that they're they're far away, I mean, if you looked at Dallas at the beginning of the season, would you have picked them to be in the Stanley Cup final? Probably not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's other teams you would have picked ahead of them. So, I mean, every dog has its day sometimes. Maybe the sun will shine on your dog before someone else. But what do you think, in your mind, if Ken Reed had control of the Toronto Maple Leafs and was able to put it in ways for the Leafs to get successful and be where they need to be, what, in your eyes, Ken, would the Maple Leafs need to do? First thing you do is you throw out the computers, okay? You get rid of the computers. You quit relying on analytics too much. It's fine to have a little analytics, but too much is a bad thing. I also get in some guys who play like men. Some hard guys. Look at Jamie Benn. Look at Corey Perry in the final for Dallas. People thought Corey Perry was done. That play guy plays greasy. He does what it takes to win. You get guys that can adapt, like Tyler Sagan, a sniper, a shooter who's blocking shots. Now he's got to start contributing offensively in the final, but now you got him out there blocking shots, doing what it takes to win. When I look at that Leafs roster, I don't see that. Uh, I see Nylander, who's a fantastic player, who's going to get 70 points, but is he going to win for you in the playoffs? I think Mitch Marner has the ability to adapt. Uh, Austin Matthews is an awesome two-way player. But they need some grit. They need some third and fourth liners who can eat you up some minutes, banging away, wearing down the opposition. Um, The Leafs are beyond entertaining to watch in the regular season. If I go to a game, it's fantastic because it's broken hockey. To me, it's the way hockey should be played. There's not too many systems. But unfortunately, in the NHL, the way you win are with systems. I wish the NHL would adopt some rules so that's not necessarily the case. game was more wide open but the Leafs are an awesome entertaining team to watch but they're not a team that's built for any playoff success they're far too soft um, they don't have enough players that that play hard minutes so that'd be the first thing I'd concentrate on is getting those bottom two lines just to to be workhorses to be grinders I guess the old Brad Burke top six bottom six philosophy um, having said that I'm, I'm not saying bring in goons I'm just saying bring in guys that play hard minutes like 
Josh Anderson in Columbus. He would be an awesome fit for the yep. Leafs. A, a Wayne Simmons type. Like a Wayne Simmons, maybe Wayne's a little too old now, but a Wayne Simmons type from four or five years ago. That type of player is what the Leafs need. They don't need more water bugs circling around looking to pad their stats. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. One other question I'll ask you about the Maple Leafs. I mean, um, another player that's on the hot seat and looks to be going out of town. Do you think the Leafs should get rid of Freddie Anderson, or do you think he should stay between the pipes? It's funny. Um, I'm not a blame Freddie guy at all. Um, I would not hang the playoffs on him. Uh, however, you do have to make a big save now and again. Uh, he didn't, but this way, he didn't lose any games. He didn't steal any games. Uh, he's far easier to trade with. The, what does he got? A year left on his contract. Yeah, he does he's one year. Far easier. Yeah, he's far easier to trade than one year. You know, eight nine million dollar guys. So I I see why the blame goes there because he's easier to unload. So I think it's just a, it's an easy fallback to go to Freddie, and it's always an easy fallback to go to the goalie anyway. But uh, if he stays or if he goes, I don't think it makes much difference to the team. Yeah, I, I want to see him stay. Obviously, mm-hmm. I do want to see the Leafs beef up a little bit. Um, you know, Tom Wilson has kind of players. You know, to Chuck kind of players. Yeah. Skill, yeah. skill, exactly. being able to they score. The problem is they don't make those guys anymore, do they? That's not the way the game's played. No, those have become the new diamond in the rough. Before it was trying to find the skill guy that could score you fifty. Now it was trying to find mm-hmm. that guy that's got the uh, the build to, to go and crash and bang, but also pot the puck in the net and. You know, right, not get knocked right. off the puck, but those guys aren't around anymore. And you see how rare they are and how covered they are. And that's why I think Kyle Clifford's going to go try the market because there's going to be a team that's going to pay him. And that's just yeah. the way it is, right? It's the ebb and the flow. And right now, the flow is all these young players who are highly skilled and, like you just said, waterbug type guys that can get you the points. But when you get mm-hmm. deep into the playoffs, you're, you're naming all the guys that, you know, teams need. And every team right. that gets to a certain point in the playoffs has those guys and you're always looking for the next guy to push you over and maybe if Toronto could find a couple of those and fill out that bottom six properly and not just put a couple of Nick Robertsons or you know other guys with more yeah. skill down there you might not get pushed around and you might be able to give your stars a spot to breathe well that comes with a philosophy change right the, the, the management has to realize that maybe they do maybe they don't but it's the balancing act right because you need your team to be able to make it through 80 games and make the playoffs, but I think in the playoffs you need your team to adapt because the hockey becomes so much harder in the playoffs. It becomes, it becomes big boy hockey. So you got to have that uh, ability to adapt within your roster. Well, you're talking about change in philosophy, and you know Kyle Dubas at the end with the media availability when the Leafs were winding down their season after everything was said and done, the comment that stuck out the most to me was when the media, someone from the media asked, and he said, you guys think I only have one way of building a team. That, for me, gave me a little bit of hope that he understands that things need to change and there needs uh-huh. to be, a, you know, tweaks and things done to this roster. But um, have you ever, in your covering of different players, teams, etc., you know, run across, you know, a person where the question came out and they just got a little sharp tongue with you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember uh, I was, uh, when I was really young. Not sharp tongue, but I've gotten the odd death there before from coaches and stuff like that. Like, Ron Wilson was hilarious to interview. Like, I enjoyed it. Some people in the scrum were terrified, and I'm just like, well, I'll just ask him a question. If he doesn't like it, and he's Ron Wilson, so he's not going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just didn't like doing his scrum. He didn't do like doing his media available from what I can gather, and that's fine. If I was a coach, I don't think I'd like it either. Um, I don't think I'd like being questioned on everything I do. 
but some some players, coaches embrace it. Some others get a little abrasive, and that that's fine. I have no ill will towards anyone who gets a little testy when asked a question. I mean, if I came off the air and I screwed up and you put a bunch of microphones in my face, I might get a little defensive as well. But, yeah, that, that happens from time to time. Well, an interesting thing that I heard on the uh, 31 Thoughts podcast from Elliot was they were talking about Pat Quinn and how he used to stand out and basically take the bullets from the media, you know, and Uh allow the players to wind down and, you know, get their minds uh, of themselves. I want to ask you this question, you know, after a game, a fight or whatever, whatever sport it is, do you think it's good to instantly go in there and ask the questions when the players are still running hot from either a win, a loss, whatever situation it may be? Or do you think it's better with the Pat Quinn approach where he took the bullets, let the guys shower, kind of get their minds together, and then go in and ask them the questions? Well, the NHL has a rule on the door, right? This room will be open five minutes after the completion of the game, or, or ten minutes, whatever it is. By the time they open them, and this is pre-COVID, there's nobody left in there. So you're not going to get the real answers. I think I, I'm not a fan of uh, media in the dressing room. I think the dressing room is a sacred place. However, there should be an area where you can go in and just get raw emotion. I do not like the, the cool-down period. Because let's face it, you're not getting the, you're not getting that raw. This just happened reaction, right? You're getting okay. I'll wait a minute before I write the email so I don't say anything angry. I want the true, raw stuff. Like when you ask a player about his goal, he'll say, "Well, you know, uh, Rowdy made a nice pass." But when you see the emotion, and the and the celebration right after the goal, that's that's the emotion you're trying to get as yeah. a reporter. So, I wish they'd open the doors up right away or we could line up as they come off the ice or something and just pick guys out and get their questions there i remember covering the national cross league once and they just let us in with the team as soon as the the game ended for the calgary roughnecks it was awesome the stuff we got on video was awesome the coaches freaking out the players were freaking out it was it was fantastic so that's the key to all these behind the scenes shows they do right like hard knocks or road to the cup the reason people like it is because it's raw but when when you let the media in there 15, 20, often half an hour after the game, you're getting them after the cool-down period. I don't want the cool-down period. I want the real deal. Yeah, I mean, I guess with hockey, I can understand that. Um, you know, I guess some other sports, maybe like MMA or boxing, you know, talking to a guy after he just recovered from getting knocked out might not be the wisest decision. Yeah. You know, he probably doesn't yeah. know what plan yeah. he's on. But, yeah, I can see it with hockey. I, I, We all love the emotion. The only thing that I think is sometimes, and I, I talked to Jamie McCowan last week, and, you know, he was talking yeah. about the fact, you know, the biggest problem he thinks for the Maple Leafs is the fact that it's not that you have one media member. It's you have about, you know, 40 or 50. And then it's the constant barrage of questions or no matter where you turn or where you go, you know, you never get a moment to, to really get your thoughts. So that's why I wanted to ask you that because, you know, that was coming from a player who, who kind of sees it from his side of things and seen it when he played mm-hmm. there. So I wanted to ask you just to see where you fell on it. And, yeah, I mean, we all want the, the, the sound bites and the emotion. I mean who doesn't that's where you get the the juice right and that's what gets everybody pumped up and you get to see what guys actually feeling and yeah we love those hard knock shows because it goes right in there right after the game where nobody usually gets to go and you get the coach that is absolutely just either ripping them or lauding them for whatever it is and yeah we eat that stuff up with a spoon (laughs) yeah i want to go where where the cameras don't usually go uh yeah what jamie said yeah I mean, everybody likes their space, and when you're playing for the Leafs, there's not space. I mean, that's just something you sign up for. There's a lot of media. Having said that, I think the hardest media on players were everywhere, was Edmonton. They were very hard on their team. Toronto, I don't think it's that hard on them. There's just a lot of coverage. There's just not a free 
any free time. Uh, having said that, they protect the players pretty well. I mean, I'm not on the beat anymore, but when I did, you'd go in the dressing room and there'd be two guys sitting in there maybe, and you'd have to ask their guys to come out. But I, I much prefer the day when there was fewer guys. You could sit beside a guy before or after the camera rolls, get a feeling for who he is. But I think those days are pretty much pretty much over right now. So, yeah, playing in Toronto, you're, there's a lot of media around. Uh, I remember in uh, Edmonton, there was a lot of media around. I remember covering the San Jose Sharks Oilers playoff series, and a couple guys would moo when we came in the room on the Sharks. You know, here comes the media, here comes the herd. I can see why, because they're, they're used to having two reporters cover them, right? Where yeah. Us guys from Edmonton are traveling for the playoffs, and there's 30 of us. So, yeah, it's, uh, it all depends on what you want as a player and, and what you can embrace and what you can succeed with. But having said that, Montreal is by far the toughest media market, I'd say, because you have to do it in French and English, right? So you got to do it twice. Yeah, that's what Berkey said. When you wake up in the morning, you're wrong in French and English. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I want to ask you, you know, obviously – successful sports net obviously covering sports and doing all of those great things but then you go to the other side of things and you're successful as an author i mean you have the hockey heart stories one and two uh one night only and then the new book that is out now one to remember you know 30 stories of the one goal games um, i'm wondering for you what gets you into writing books what gets you is it just a thought is it just something hey this isn't out there I want to do this. I don't see this anywhere else. Or is it something that you're elaborating on? Maybe a conversation or how do those come about? Well, I always consumed hockey books my whole life, hockey books and baseball books. I always wanted to write one. And a hockey card story just came along. And I, I, when I got to sports, then I had a platform and I have time, right? Because I'm not working days. And so this is one to remember would be my sixth book now, which is kind of crazy to say. But I write, oh, I don't want this to come off wrong, but I write the stories I want to hear. So if you see a guy on the side of the road and you want to pick his brain, that's what I want to do as a writer. So there's been tons of books written about, you know, the superstars, and that's great. I love those books. But I wanted to give a voice to the guys who just had a taste, or, or I wanted to make it relatable for the common fan, because I always dreamed, you know, what would it be like to just score a goal in the NHL? So then I, I'm like, that might be a pretty good book, this first like, you know, what if I talk to guys who just had a single goal in the NHL? So I asked my stats guy, work Steve Fellin, to look it up. There's around 400 guys who've only scored one NHL goal. Now there's about 6,500 guys who've played in the NHL, skaters. 1,500 of them never scored. So I looked at it from the standpoint of, wow, you scored a goal, that's awesome. So I talked to 39 guys who scored a single NHL goal. I wanted to know if it was the greatest thing that ever happened to them. I wanted to know the story behind it. I wanted to know what happened to their career after that. Or I wanted to know if they cared at all. So we talked uh, everybody from first round draft picks to guys who never thought they'd skate a second in the NHL. And yeah, wanted to remember it's out in stores now. And uh, it's it's a, it's like like most of my reads, I like I like to think of it. My interview subject, I'm sitting down having a beer with them. I'm recording it, and hopefully that's what translate and translates. And that's the style it's told in. It's it's not Shakespeare, baby. <laughs> well it doesn't need to be Shakespeare and it's like you said the best result you get is being real and authentic and if you can get yeah. that whether it be talking to somebody or even you know in a story or a book form and you know and you feel that you relate to it a lot more like you said having a beer with a friend and talking about it I gotta ask about yeah. the uh, the one to remember though when you were talking to these guys um did any stories like jump out at you like you know just the way they broke it down I mean Obviously, there's the celebrations, the excitement, and then the hope of more and all that. 
But is there one that was just like, whoa, okay, this is a... Yeah. Yeah, one just shocked me. One guy basically, well, not basically, one guy was stabbed about two weeks after he scored his only NHL goal. I, I kind of went, what? I've never heard of this story. He says, no one's ever heard of this story. You know, we told the media this and this and this and this, but I was in the hospital because I was stabbed. So I, I couldn't believe that. So I ran into an ex-teammate of his, and he said, oh, yeah, I can never forget that. So that was that was crazy. You know, I thought I was going to hear, oh, after I scored my goal, I was sent back to the minors. But no, he was stabbed. So yeah. that to me was just absolutely insane. Um, I didn't expect that when I wrote the book. But that's why that's why I did this book, because if you look on a Hockey DB page, it says goal one. And people will dismiss the guy. Oh, he's no good. There's nothing to that. No, I got news for you. If you scored one goal in the NHL, you're an amazing hockey player. And there's a story behind that one goal. I mean, I talked to one guy. He almost died on the ice, and he became a world-class scientist. Like, I didn't expect that after I saw one goal on his hockey DB page. So, yeah, a scientist, a stabbing, you know, I, a Hanson brother. Like, it just went in so many ways. It was fun to put together. Is there... Um... I guess another flame lit for something else. I mean, the thing that comes to mind to me is maybe uh, one win in the NHL for a goaltender, a la David Ayers. Yeah. You know, things like that. That might be nice. Yeah, maybe that's what's next. Um, I'm actually in talks with a former player now. Not in talks, but uh, we might do a book together. Cause I've done books with Denny Maruk and Eddie Shack as well, so yep. I might do another one with a former player. But... Uh, haven't written anything in a while because uh, COVID. I have two kids at home, so there's no time to write. But, uh, yeah, one win for a goalie. Um, and one to remember, I like there's a chapter on goalie scoring goals, so that was kind of cool to put that together. Um, but, yeah, nothing nothing in the, in the plans right now. Well, we look forward to the next book, and obviously uh, can't wait to get my hands on one to remember. I've uh, been pleading with the better half to get it. The anniversary's around the corner, so I usually get Good. a bevy of hockey things when that happens. So I'll be excited to get my hands on that and read it. Ken, I want to thank you very much for, for taking the time today. Um, I know it's been a little bit of back and forth to get this done, but I super appreciated having you on and getting to talk about not only your books, but obviously the Maple Leafs and just your career. Thanks, James. And want to hear how to plug a book? Here you do. One to remember, 39 stories of members of the NHL Goals Club with a forward by Colby Armstrong. Written by Ken Reed. In stores and available on Amazon right now. Pretty good, eh? Yeah, it's 100% good. You should pick it up right now after that. <laughs> Thanks, James. Uh, pleasure talking hockey with you. Call anytime, buddy. You got the number. All right, buddy. Take it easy now. So there you have it. That is Ken Reed from Sportsnet. You see him every single night on your television. And, of course, you can pick up his books at Amazon, Chapters, or wherever you pick up your favorite books. And be sure to pick up one to remember, as Ken just plugged it. Get it in your hands, read it, enjoy it, love it. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.